can't have them have teachers that hit them and are terrible human beings. I can't make these terrible things happen for my children and I don't want to. But what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to find ways for my children to deal with difficulties or have things in their life that are challenging and difficult and instill in them the values to deal with difficulties. Very excited for today's guest, Steli Efty, who is the salesman extraordinaire, um, very much like a Gary Vaynerchuk of the startup SaaS sales world. So um, he gets pretty raw, shares a lot about his struggles um, running a high growth startup and balancing having young children and how he compares to Gary Vaynerchuk. So um, let's jump into the interview with Steli. Alrighty, welcome to the Two Cent Dad podcast. Today we have a very special guest, Steli Efty, who is the CEO and founder of Close, which is the best sales CRM that you've ever even seen in your whole life. So, um, Steli, thanks for being on the show, man. Hey, Mike, thanks for having me. Hey, Steli, I love, um, I've just followed you for a while now, um, all the stuff that you're doing at Close, and um, I love your energy. And, uh, you know, I love that you always like bring the fire, man. And, uh, one of the things that's that's why I wanted to have you on the show is just to talk about um, your journey um, running a, a, a Silicon Valley startup and and how you've balanced that with uh, being a dad. I know I, we had Heat and Shaw on the show, and you guys have that have your your podcast, which I love listening to. So uh, I don't know if you guys have hit on that or conversations you have Heat and have had on fatherhood, but um, just tell me a little bit about your journey, man. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I was excited to be a, a, on this podcast. You know, I'm I go on quite a bit of, of podcast interviews, but it's very rarely a topic that's kind of outside the sphere of like startups, sales, whatever entrepreneurship. So when I saw kind of the focus of your podcast and it was about being a parent, I was like, yes, let's do it. This is going to be fun. Um, it gives me a chance to talk about something or explore a topic that I don't get to talk about that much. Um, so. I don't know. I'm going to make this super short in terms of my journey and then I'll let you drive the conversation because <laughs> okay. as you know, you asked me one question I could talk for an hour, right? <laughs> if, if I have to, but uh, my journey. So grew up in, uh, so I'm originally from Greece, grew up in Germany, um, kind of factory worker, family, uh, in, typical immigrants and um, dropped out of school when I was very young to start my first company, did a few small bootstrap businesses in Europe, uh, nothing to do with technology or software. And then when I was 23, I decided I had this big software idea that would change the world, at least in my mind. And uh, I was yearning for more adventure. So I sold everything I had. I bought a one-way ticket and I flew to San Francisco to kind of start this business that I thought would kind of, you know, be a transformative company uh, to the world. And I proceeded to be, you know, metaphorically speaking, punched in the face for five years straight every single day. <laughs> Um, I made all the mistakes and I made them, you know, multiple times just to make sure they really don't work. And then at the end of those five years, I, I was for the first time just emotionally, physically, financially, spiritually bankrupt, right? Mm-hmm. Just like on all levels done. And uh, finally accepted defeat and failure with my first company. And then um, I was kind of slightly dazed and thinking about what to do next when I kind of stumbled into my next company with a friend, uh, a friend of mine had an idea. I just wanted to help him. And before I knew it, we had a, we had a thing and that thing had users 
And all of a sudden, uh, we apply for Y Combinator, which is a very famous kind of startup incubator, and we get accepted. Now this thing has funding, and you know, kind of we were up and running, not without any challenges. So that company still had its pivots and ups and downs, but eventually turned into the business that we run today, Close.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, that business is quite successful. And, uh, and, and, you know, that's why people know that I even exist and people invite me to speak on podcasts. Um, but my, the bread and butter really, for me, has always been sales as an entrepreneurial superpower, if I ever had any, like trying to make things happen through the power of communication. And, um, and today I'm running kind of a, a semi-self-funded uh, um, startup that makes many, many millions in revenues. It's highly profitable for the last five years, fully distributed team. Um, and so we're a tiny company, 35 people in 12 different countries, and we compete against our smallest competitors has, uh, has raised uh, 110 million and is uh, 500 people. Wow. That is the that is the smallest company we compete directly against. So I thought that I'll throw these numbers out to give some context for people that are listening to this podcast. But yeah, that's that's my story. And this is the shortest version I could think of. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for that. Um, no, that's that's a great story. I, I, I'm curious, before we get too far into some other questions I have, is what was, you said, um, what was your parents' occupation that gave you that entrepreneurial bug? And, and how do you feel like that played into that, whether it's like I've talked to some people and they said either they saw some of the things that their parents were doing in their occupation, they didn't want to do that. So they were chasing like being um, self-employed or their parents were entrepreneurial. So that kind of blood got in them, you know. Yeah, I don't know if it was either of these two in my case. So um, so my dad died when I was quite young, uh, when I was six years old. I have two older brothers, so we're three boys. My mom, uh, my mom is quite an incredible woman in the sense that, you know, she, I think, just went to first and second grade. Um, She moved to Germany from Greece when she was 12, and she started working in a factory at that age. Um, And she just retired uh, a couple of months ago in the age of 65. So she just worked, was an assembly line factory worker her whole life. and so for me growing up, you know, I, I, so I'll say that we grew up with, with quite a few challenges, um, both financial, but the financial thing wasn't even that big of a chip on my shoulder. I think it was more kind of the, the status that we had, um, the status that I had. Like I had a lot of teachers and a lot of things happening to me in school early on. I was a bit, a bit unlucky with the type of teachers that I had. And quite in a young age, kind of the vibe that I got was that, you know, I wouldn't amount to anything. And that was kind of what everybody was telling me. And and I wanted to amount to something, right? So I had this desire to prove school wrong and my teachers wrong. Then we got into a bunch of trouble when my dad died and my mom had to endure a, a, a lot of challenges. That kind of made me feel like you know, us against the world, or the world is a is a hostile place, and I wanted to be, was frustrated at how weak I felt and powerless. Mm-hmm. So there was this desire to show the world that I'm powerful and to, to be in a better position to protect the people I love. Um, but I didn't know where to channel that feeling. It was just a feeling. And growing up, uh, until I was 16, all I did was watch TV and go out and get in trouble. Like, I really <laughs> didn't do anything productive with my life. Um, and then I was really lucky that I had a big fight with one of my older brothers. 
It was a fight about success. And to, in our limited mind, success just meant being rich, having money. Yeah. So his, his side of the argument was to make a ton of money and be successful, you either become academically successful and become a doctor and a lawyer, or you have to become a criminal kingpin and sell drugs or something, right? Mm -hmm. um, he also watched too much TV. <laughs> <laughs> he was a very good dad. He's a successful guy now, like an upstanding uh, rightful citizen. But, but back then he was like, oh, you have to either sell drugs or become a lawyer. Like what else is there? And I hated both these options. So I was pushing against that. And it, we went back and forth for quite a while until eventually he said, all right, smart ass, what's your plan? What are you going to do? Yeah. And that, that moment changed my life because that moment I opened my mouth, nothing came out, and I realized, what am I going to do with my life? I don't know. Like up until that point, I had this feeling, I'm gonna prove everybody wrong. I'm gonna be really important and successful. And I, but that moment made me realize, no, I'm not. I have no idea what I wanna do. And that, that kicked off a chain of events, one being buying the first book of my life <laughs> to, to read about something and try to learn how do people make money. And that led to more and more books and eventually to the discovery of entrepreneurship. And to me, that was the big aha moment because to me, the way I, I read it and the way that I interpreted it, I was like, wait a second, anybody can start a business hmm. and a business can be as big as you make it, like just with your creativity, with your hard work, nobody's going to put a ceiling on this. And I don't have to get approval by others. I don't have to get a PhD. I can just start, work my ass off, and make this as successful as I think I can. I'm like, all right, this is it. Sign me up. This is going to be my path. Um, I'm so lucky for all these little things that happened, that these chain reaction events that, that led me into a completely different path that I was on. But in terms of you know, my parents, I, they, my mom never complained about her work, so I didn't get the feeling of like, I don't want to be a factory worker. It sucks to be a worker. And I didn't have any super successful entrepreneurial people in my family to go, oh, this is how you do it, and this is what I want to do. Right. It was kind of a little bit of a random act of luck of just being, I think, feeling powerless and feeling like the world is kind of a hostile place and wanting, having a chip on my shoulder and wanting to prove the world wrong and trying to find an answer to how am I going to do this and then stumbling over the answer, well, just start a business. Yeah. So how do you, you know, kind of going on that route, like how did you then once you had this aha moment and you're like, I can I can go into entrepreneurship, um, that might have been a moment where like someone like, like your father might have helped you with that journey. So did you have like mentors then that you like reached out to or other people that um, helped you kind of formulate that plan and kind of get things going because it's one thing to have an aha moment it's another thing to say you know what network do i have around me that's actually going to help me you know yeah um so not immediately um i didn't have anybody in my family or my environment anybody i knew that i was like this is a person that can help me with this they have experience with it all i did for a good amount of time was just read anything and everything i could i just read as much as possible and then eventually i realized i need a job because these business books i very expensive, right? And I don't have enough money to buy all the books I want to buy. So I I started looking for opportunities to to make some side income, and then eventually, like again, I got a bit I I got lucky. It took me a while to find mentors, and I and I have had mentors in my life that really made a massive difference. Um, but kind of the first two years of my entrepreneurial journey, I just 
I just had all the luck of the ignorant and the blissful. Like I just read a bunch of stuff and you know went, well, I can do this, let me just start, right? And then the first few things that I did kind of just worked well and in hindsight, it was pure luck. Like the time, like I didn't know what I was doing, um, but, uh, but you know, whatever, the universe was kind to me, <laughs> kind of encouraged me on this journey. Yeah. Um, and, and eventually, eventually things got harder and I, and I met people and I sought after people that I admired to get advice. And I had a few um, great entrepreneurs and great men take me under their wing and kind of see something in me and go, all right, I'm going to help this kid. Um, but the first year or two, I just was just full of piss and vinegar. I was like, I'm going to do this. How hard could this be? Yeah. And I was lucky. I don't know. Again, there's so many things where luck is really the only thing that like made the difference between how my life, the direction my life went and a complete other direction could have taken. If I had picked up, the, the first book I picked up was a book about stocks mm -hmm. because I had watched Wall Street and I knew there's this thing called stocks and people get really rich with this. I didn't know what stocks meant. I had no concept of what this could be. I just had watched a movie, right? So the first book I picked up was a book, Everything You Need to Know About Stock Investments. And it was a book for $4.99, <laughs> right? a paperback for $4.99. This is, I was so lucky to pick up that book. That book was like the simplest ever written book about stock investments, which was perfect for me. Because yeah. I was able to read it and understand something. If I had just picked up a slightly more sophisticated book, I wouldn't have been able to read it, and then I don't know what I would have done. Like, it, yeah. I, I'm not sure. And and so there's many of these events where I just got a little bit lucky and I picked the right thing. Um, but mentors played a big role, but a, a little bit into my journey, not at the very beginning. Yeah, no, it's interesting. I think, too, um, that beginner's mind, I think, is a huge factor, too. Like, sheer naivete to say, you don't, you're not really coming with preconceived notions per se. You're just saying, I want to learn. Even the stock thing, it's not like you had any sort of like chip on your shoulder about stocks or people that invested in stocks. You're like, I just want to learn about this, you know? Um, so, so kind of fast forward then, um, you know, you, you, you go to San Francisco and then where did um, becoming a, a father um, play in that, in that entrepreneurial journey? Um, so talk about that a little bit and yeah. how that changed your mindset. So, um, so it, t it took quite a while. So the first five years in the Bay area with my first startup, um, I was single. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't a parent. I didn't have children. And then the during the time that I started my uh, second company, which is today closed, but it started as a completely different idea. I think within a year or two of starting that, um, I became a dad of my first son. Um, so this is on Sunday. This is going to be seven years ago because he's turning turning uh, seven on this Sunday. Awesome. Um, so that was it. That was a, a, a like. Becoming a dad changed me quite profoundly. This is, you know, such a cliche, but it, but it did. But then again, it didn't either. Like I remember, I remember waiting for for that feeling like a completely different person, and I'm still waiting for that because I'm like, I don't feel any different. I feel like exactly the same person than before. It's not like everything changed and like I'm feeling different. I'm thinking different. I'm acting different. It was not like that. Like maybe this is much. Maybe some people have that that experience. I just didn't have it myself. But I was looking for it. I was waiting for it. Um, but but a couple of things happened when I became a dad. Um, I think um, 
I think the, the, the biggest thing at the very beginning where it impacted me was that I now had a, you know, a sort of forcing function for being a lot more productive. Mm-hmm. And let me unpack this for a second. But, you know, before that, my entire life, like up between, I don't know, 18 when I started my first business and 30 when I became a dad, all I knew was work seven mm-hmm. days a week. And all I knew was brute force, right? I yeah. just saw any and every problem with throwing more hours and more effort at it. And when I became a dad, it was clear to me that I wanted to be around my child. Like I wanted to hang out with my child. I wanted to spend time with my child. So so very early on, I made a commitment to say, you know what? I'm, I'm going to be home. I'm going to leave office at 5. And I'm going to be home at 6 because I want to play with my son, have dinner, put him to sleep. Um, and on weekends, I'm not going to be working because I want to hang out with my with my kid. And I remember uh, the shift where typically at 5 p.m. or at 4 p.m. or so, I would think, oh, shit, I only have one more hour of work. And then I would go, well, today it's impossible. I can't go in an hour. I have all these things to do. And I would start texting my wife. Sorry, honey, but today is a tough day, and no, 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 I'm just writing up all kinds of excuses. And at some point while writing, I would stop myself and ask myself this very simple question. All right, wait a second. Did I not get everything done I wanted to get done because it was impossible or because I was not productive today or I lacked focus? And the answer was always, ah, you know, I messed around, I, I didn't focus enough, I didn't. And then I was like, well, then I have to suck it up and go home. And I'll have to figure it out tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Like I can't have my son and my wife pay for my lack of productivity. Yeah. And that that was a beautiful thing because that happened like almost every other day for the first month or two. Then it happened once a week for a little while, then once a quarter, and then it stopped happening. It just like completely changed my mind frame where it was like there's a certain amount of hours I dedicate to work and I better become very productive because I can't afford messing around all day long and just throwing more hours the way I was used to before. And that was a beautiful thing. And that's something I'm to some degree I'm really grateful for because I I, I didn't I didn't have that experience that a lot of other entrepreneur friends of mine had that were like, well, you know, I'm not I'm not seeing my kid uh, throughout the week. I'm only seeing the kid on the weekends and some weekends it just doesn't work. It's just part of the grind. It's part of being an entrepreneur. I'm sacrificing now where they don't remember the years for later when they will remember. And a lot of that, it's always easy to see the bullshit with other people and not see your own. I'm, 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 I'm full of shit myself all the time. But but that was something where I was like, this sounds like a bunch of bullshit to me. Like it just sounds like, because I didn't feel like I didn't feel like I was missing something. And, and those were my most successful. Like I've been the most successful as an entrepreneur since I've been a dad. Yeah, by far. Yeah. So it's not that I'm I've been lacking hours or so. Um, that was kind of the big or one big shift in the way I worked that happened right with the birth of my first son. So what do you, thanks for that, that, that was uh, insightful. Um, you mentioned though, people saying that, the giving you the line like, oh, I'm sacrificing now, they don't remember, or I'm doing this for them, which I think is BS as well. Um, did you ever have conversations with other dads where you challenge them on that, you know, and kind of would like, because one of the things I think that's hard is, and I, I talked to, about this to a fellow entrepreneur, and he was saying that 
he sees a lot of dads that are entrepreneurs, but they're actually just not that good at being an intentional dad, you know? Like, <laughs> And so I think I was asking him for referrals for the show. And I think it's mm. like interesting to me because psychologically, maybe they feel like they're getting more worth, you know, f- from their job, you know, that's the being a dad is, is kind of like uncharted territory, you know, like you don't, you don't know it as well, like, you know, work. So it's easy to gravitate towards what you know. Um, these are things that I felt too, but it's like, it's also being an entrepreneur. It's not like you just have the man that you're working for that you can be like, you know, I hate the man. It's like, actually, I really love this thing over here that maybe I created, but I also love this other thing that we created over here, you know, which is our kids. It's like, so how do you <laughs> yeah. balance those two, you know? I think that um, I think that uh, striving for balance is a beautiful thing, and I think that's that's been my compass. But also, more important than striving for it is realizing it's not a destination. Mm. Like you cannot arrive at this place of perfect balance, and finally I got it. That, that doesn't exist. It is literally a balancing act, which means that every step of the way, you're losing balance, you're regaining it. You're losing it, you're regaining it. So. I think accepting that we are humans and we are flawed and all we can do is to strive to do it a bit better than yesterday, strive to do it better, but but don't strive for perfection or strive for a place. Oh, once I get a million then, once we sold the company then, once I have this then, once the kid is five years old then, once we have the new house, nothing, nothing that you'll ever accomplish will feel enough or will be the destination. It will be just another step. Maybe it feels good in the moment. Awesome. Maybe it will be disappointing when you arrive there. <laughs> That's normal too. But what you, what I found is the important thing to realize is this is a lifelong balancing act. And so I'm just trying to focus on the next step. Just trying to realize, am I out of balance or in balance right now? And what is my next step? How do I either maintain balance or regain it? And trying to be somewhat um, kind to ourselves, which is very, very hard. Very, very hard. Uh, I'm not good at this at all. I'm just working on it a lot. Um, to just forgive ourselves as well for our imperfections. And we have to forgive ourselves either because sometimes maybe at work we're not as good as we want to be. And this is the example of if I didn't get my stuff done today, it will have to wait for a day. Mm-hmm. And I will have to be okay with this. And tomorrow I'll have to be my best self to pick up and, and to get ahead again. At the same time, it's sometimes I'm not the greatest dad, or at least I don't feel as intentional or as connected to my children as I would like to. And when that feeling is there, you know, I don't beat myself up over this. I don't make this bigger. I don't create a big narrative and story to make myself suffer and to get some sick pleasure out of maybe the goodness of being somebody that feels so bad about something. No, I just go, all right, what is the next step? How to get out of this again? How can I get closer to my children again? Um, you know, funny enough, you said something at the beginning. Um, the, the, so I typically don't give people feedback um, on the parent side of things mm-hmm. um, because the people that are very close to me and my very close friends, there I might give parenting advice or feedback, but also very careful. I'm very, very careful. I'm very harsh on my entrepreneurial advice, very direct, and I really don't, almost don't care. But when it comes to telling people how to deal with their children, I'm very, very careful. Just because it feels like if it's not invi- if I'm not invited to that conversation, it feels very intrusive. Uh, it feels like something that can be very hurtful to people. And most people don't strike me, to be honest. 
as in a place to hear me. So if I don't know how to say it in a way that you can hear me, I might as well not say it at all. It's just going to hurt you. Um, but with people that are close to me, I might say something, and I have. But with those kind of the entrepreneur dads that I've interacted with here and there, no, no. I'd be like hearing their story and going, not. I'm not confirming nor do I deny. I just go, huh, all right. You know, this is <laughs> this is your story. I'm not agreeing. I'm not uh, rejecting it. I'm just letting leaving you alone with the story. And usually, when you react that way, they don't get the 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 confirmation to keep going and keep going and they just switch the subject but i i'm like you know at a at a random entrepreneurial cocktail party having a two-minute conversation with somebody and then then telling me about their you know sleep problems and how it is to be a dad and entrepreneur i just go all right have a good cocktail and you know best of luck with your business i just keep keep going on my way without challenging them too much unless it's invited unless they're saying hey yeah Give me how some advice kind of thing. How do you do it? Yeah. yeah. How do you do it? I struggle with this. What would you do? Cool. If it's invited, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you what I can and I'll tell you what I think. But yeah. if it's not invited, I'm not going to offer it. Yeah. So um, switching gears a little bit, I'd like to hear your kids are going to have a much different growing up experience than you did. And so how do you manage that? Because some of the things that I've, I've thought about lately is thinking about when there's a step change in someone that's grown up, you know, maybe not as much affluence or not as much um, network support or, you know, you lost your dad at a young age. And so your, your children are going to have um, a totally different experience. So how do, you, how do you take the things that maybe formed who you were based on your experiences and then actually just be cognizant? Because I think it's... So the the key example, I mean, you're. I feel like you share a lot of similarities, like Gary Vaynerchuk, right? Like you're, you have a lot of energy. You're excited about what you're doing, not in the negative ways. I don't mean to say like you're overly obsessive, but when you think about someone like that, where it's like they came from very little to very much, and saying part of the hard work was because of where they came from. So how do you instill that and be cognizant of? Oh, my kids are going to grow up in a different environment, and it's going to mean X, Y, and Z for them. So how do you instill the things you want them to have? And is it even possible, you know, without artificially, you know, changing their circumstance, whether that's like not buying a big house, not buying a bunch of stuff or whatever, you know? Yeah, it's such a good question. So I've struggled with this question sometimes harder and sometimes less, right? So right now I'm in a, in a better place with this question. I'm sure it is going to become a challenge again very soon. But uh, and one thing I'll say about Gary Vee, which who I admire, and I would not put myself in the same category as him just purely from his impact and success and everything. But that's one thing I don't agree with him. Like he, I remember him at least a, a while ago missing a lot of things and using this, hey, now that they don't remember their babies, their two-year-old, their four-year-olds, um, I want to be there for their college, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to be there when they're high school games. But right now I can miss all of this. And I deeply disagree with that, at least mm-hmm. for me in my life. But um, in terms of their upbringing, yeah, their upbringing is drastically different from mine. And that was that was one of my biggest stressors as a father. Like that was the one – if you had asked me what's the one thing you constantly worry about as a dad, that was my thing. Right. I, I was constantly looking at them and worrying that they're going to grow up too pampered, too affluent, too soft, and then become weaker individuals and build weaker mm-hmm. characters, which is like my my nightmare. Like I want 
I want to, you know, I, what I wish for my children is that they are strong characters and full human beings, no matter what they do with that, right? But I want them to be strong people. So I was really terrified and fearful of them becoming weak people. And I don't know, for a while, all I did was stress about this, right? I was just like worrying about this all the time. Or it's slightly like re- overreacting, not necessarily in a verbal way, by, but just just my energy level, overreacting anytime the grandparents would show up and always come with gifts, right, and pamper the kids. Like, I wouldn't say anything because I didn't want to, I, I wanted to allow the grandparents to be grandparents and do their own thing with my children. But internally, I was in strong conflict with it. And yeah. you could tell, just my energy was like, <laughs> I fucking hate this. Why do they get more gifts, everyday gifts? What is this? Right. So I would like have that kind of tense, uh, disapproving energy. Um, and so, so one thing that I'll say is that the way that my wife and I choose to live our lives is one where, uh, for a variety of reasons, we choose to live um, a number of kind of levels below our means, right? And, and, and any time our means go up, we don't adjust immediately, right? So we live, a pretty, we live a pretty wealthy life by any standards, but we live way below what we could afford, Mm-hmm. Uh, to have a standard, we could have way bigger house. We could have we could have so many more things. We choose not to have any of them. A because it's not that important for us. Uh, B because a lot of our families and friends don't live the kind of lifestyle. It can't afford the lifestyle that I could afford um, to live. And uh, and so I'm like, uh, we want to be around these people that we love. So we adjust to their lifestyle to a certain degree. Yeah. That lifestyle is still pretty good. Um, and the other thing is that 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 gives my children much more of a um, still a better upbringing than me. But the difference is not as crazy as it could be if I wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so that's one thing. But but eventually, to me, the way that I'm thinking about this today is, you know, that I cannot make them poor. Right. I cannot have them like lose uh, people in their life because that makes them strong, because that made me strong. And I don't want to. But what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to find ways for my children to deal with difficulties or have things in their life that are challenging and difficult and instill in them the values to deal with difficulties in a safe way, right? Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is a beautiful martial art for children because it's safe, there's no punches, there's nothing, but it is very physical and you know if you're being controlled by another human being or not, and that human being could be younger, could be a girl, could be a boy. Like there's no, ego has really no place on the mat. You, they, you're gonna be exposed for how you feel and who you are. So I push them to do these things because they're difficult to do. And they require some building of character because you can't just look great. You cannot buy your way into being good at this. Right? You have yeah. to work your way into being good at it. So. I'm trying to find these things and and make them part of my children's life. I try to, in the way that I live my life, in the way that the things I value and the things I talk to them about, highlight, you know, things that build character, highlight hard work, highlight that the really, the thing I admire is overcoming difficulty, not being good at something, right? Uh, And and then I have to let go and, and, and hope for the best and let them become their own human beings and have their own life the way it unfolds and not, not be too stressed. So the last two years I've really learned and I've made myself let go of this fear because I realized I didn't really imp- it didn't improve anything. Like I didn't make anything better. 
all it did is it created a lot of stress for me and tension and my kids picked up on it. Yeah. Right. They are, they're very sensitive or, you know, their antennas are very fine tuned as children and they're not as distracted as we are as adults. So they pick up on this. So they, they constantly were, whenever something good was happening to them, you know, uh, they were checking at me and my reaction of it. Yeah. And when I picked up on that, I was like, oh, this sucks. Like, I don't want my children to be, now they are stressed. You know, they get uh, a chocolate bar from their grandmother and they look over, should I, should I feel bad about this? Is this too much? That's not cool. Like, the, the grandparents do this out of joy and the kids should be, should have that chocolate bar and be happy about it. Like, that, that's not going to make them bad human beings. So, I've learned to be less stressed and try, I'm trying to find these ways to build their character in different ways than my character was built because I can't recreate that. I can't be, you know, a factory worker and be poor or, or very low uh, level income. I can't have all these people die around them. Like I can't do these things, right? Life will give them their own set of challenges, um, but I'm trying to really work with them on building their character as much as I can. Yeah. No, I think that's smart. I think that it, that's, a, again, is a balance, right? Because you don't want to – you, you got to find some middle ground, but you're always kind of going back and forth because you're trying to create something that's different than what would just naturally occur, right? You yeah. Know, that's, yeah. That's the struggle. So, um, yeah, I don't um, – just curious kind of what – if someone does become a father, then in, in one of your friends, like they, they're having their first, first kid and they say, hey, Steli, like what – what advice can you give me? Like, hey, my wife's due next month, you know, um, with our first, like, you know, help me out, you know, what am I in for? Like, what would you tell them? That's a good question. Um, I think I would tell them uh, what, the, what I would share with somebody is a way that I thought, the way that I experienced my children or the way I thought about them um, altered my experience in a very beautiful way. So I would share my way of thinking about them or experiencing them, which was very much that when I, I don't know if I read this somewhere, I'm sure I didn't come up with this on my own, but oh, it was a mix of reading, hearing, and then coming up with my own words for it. But one thing that I picked up on very early on was that, um, you know, children, especially when they're really young, uh, kind of the first, maybe Maybe once they get close to the one-year mark or so. Before then, they're sleeping, they're pooping, they're they're eating, right? Just love them, be around. Uh, I would spend as much time as possible. There's a lot of cool, like, tips and tricks on how to make them sleep and this, that, and the other. But those things are kind of, you can find them anywhere. But once they get into the 10-month or so range where they start interacting more with the world, one thing that I picked up on early on was that children have this incredible ability to be fully, completely present, Right. So they are completely in the here and now. And then in the next moment, they're completely in the here and now in the next moment. They're never in the future. They're never thinking about, oh, tomorrow, what am I going to do then? And what is going on? And they're never in the past. Oh, yesterday I pooped all my stuff and it was embarrassing. <laughs> they don't. Right. And they don't have any because they're so, so incredibly present. They also don't have any problem with inconsistency, right? So, so one moment, my child would be like the end of the world crying because some toy broke. And it, oh, my God, you would think that the, the child was stabbed. It was like screaming out of pain. And in the next second, they're like, oh, do, 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 everything is fine again. And they don't have this like, well, this is inconsistent behavior. What are people going to think about me? Am I erratic? What is this? No, 
They're just fully, completely present. And in that way, I always thought of my children as little Buddhas. Like I was like, if Buddha was alive, this is how I actually assume he would walk around like a little, like 11 year old baby or a 13 month old baby that wobbles around, eats, drinks, and is fully here, ready to have joy, ready to play, and is not bothered by the past or the future, not bothered by self-image or what people will think about them, just completely here experiencing everything with all the entire fiber and the entire being. And I was trying to learn or relearn that from my children. I was trying to join in on that and be fully present in the moment, I was trying to look at my children as, as, as little human beings that have an incredible amount of things to teach me. And not just little thing, little human beings that need my help and my teachings. And that created so many beautiful moments and, and made that experience so much more powerful to me. That's, that is a way of looking at your children that I think can bring a lot of joy and change the relationship. That would be the thing that I would talk about for sure. Yeah. No, that's great. I, I would agree 100, 110%. I think when I've had the most joy as a father, it's when you are completely present. It's like you get to, even when they're like, three years old or whatever, you get down on the floor with them, you play with the Legos and stuff. It's like, just forget about everything else and just get immersed in their world is like so amazing. But I think that's an important lesson, so. And, and that's the other thing as well where, and this is not just true, true for children, this is true for everything in life, obviously, but you know, it's not the amount of time you're gonna spend with them. Like I could spend, you know, three hours with my children and I really spent zero seconds with them. Like my body was there, but my mind wasn't, right? Then that I don't know how much worth that is. Like you were just like a, a warm body in, in the room, but you really there's no memory created. They don't feel your energy. They don't have your presence. Versus you could be there for ten minutes, and it could be an incredible ten minutes. In ten minutes, you will remember. They will remember. Both will feed off on, and bring you closer. So it's not just about the amount of time. Again, a lot of parents or fathers, maybe fathers might be more so than than mothers, especially entrepreneurial dads. We're like. How many hours will I let me let me growth hack my life now that I have children? <laughs> I'm gonna be spending three hours and se- you know seventeen minutes and twenty two seconds on perfect parenting, and that will be a ratio of this percentage of my day, and that seems you know adequate to be a good dad. And then you're just sitting there spending time, but it's not about spending time. It's about spending your presence, spending your attention, spending your energy with your kids. Yeah. And so even if you have less time at times than than at other times that doesn't matter as much as what you do with that time and i think that that's that's something that children will teach you as well if you're just ready for that lesson yeah well thanks Stella. i really appreciate you being on man um i think that's a good note to to end it on so i i really appreciate you being on the show and um best of luck in your fatherhood journey man <laughs> well right back at you mike thanks for having me Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode with Steli. I know I did. Um, And if you felt like there were some valuable nuggets in there that maybe a fellow dad could hear, someone could benefit from, please just send them a link to the episode. We're not asking for upvotes or likes or whatever. I, I just feel like we need to share knowledge and wisdom with fellow dads and help each other out. So if you know of a, of a dad that could use it, just send them that as a note of encouragement, a challenge, and um, that way we can help one another out. So thank you so much uh, for listening. If you have any sort of input for the show, don't hesitate to reach out to me, mike at twocentdad.com. 
I would also like to thank our sponsor, Waypoint. Um, it is the tool of choice for growing companies that want to move from management to coaching of their employees. Learn more at waypointhq.com.